Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Hello, everybody. I'm Ryan. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> um, thank you, uh, Jeff. I know uh, Dave's not here, but thank, thanks both of you guys for asking me to come out here and speak. Um, like I said, my name is Ryan. I am an alcoholic. Hi, everybody. Um, I have a sobriety date. It's August 11th of 2006. I've got a home group. Um, actually, I actually have two home groups, the South College Speakers Group, like Lauren just said, and the Fairfax Speakers Group meets in Wilmington, Delaware, about 20 minutes away. Uh, <clears throat> I have a sponsor. Um, he's got a sponsor. He's got a sponsor. And I, uh, I have the privilege to sponsor a couple, you know, a couple handful of guys, um, which has been a, a lot of fun. It's been a blessing. Um, I guess I'm here to tell you in a general way what I was like, um, what happened, what I'm like now. I guess uh, I'll just start from, uh, you know, before I ever pick up a drink. Because I really think, and this is just my experience, I don't know about everybody's like this, but I remember uh, feeling like there was something wrong with me long before I ever drank. Um, you know, when I was a real, real little kid, as far back as I can remember, I remember feeling really out of place and uncomfortable. Um, everywhere I went with everything I did, um, I grew up in Long Island. I'm one of six kids. I got an older brother and an older sister. And, uh, when I was little, maybe like four or five, I would, uh, I would chase them around the neighborhood and I would try to hang out with them. And, uh, I always felt like the fifth wheel. Everywhere I went. And it wasn't because they were trying to do that um, or trying to make me feel that way. It's just something about me made me feel that way. I don't know what it was. And uh, and I had all kinds of friends, you know, floating around the neighborhood. And, uh, again, I always felt out of place with them, um, just like something was off with me. And I didn't know what it was. And uh, <clears throat> from, from as far back as I can remember, I went into life with this idea of what what can I get? What can I take um, to make me feel all right? Because for some reason I did, didn't feel um, like I was okay. And I think that there are a lot of people in this world, uh, probably none of them sitting in this room right now, that are born with this natural feeling of just being all right. And uh, I don't think as an alcoholic I ever had that. I don't know, maybe some of you did and lost it along the way. I don't know. But um, for me it wasn't there uh, you know, looking back as far as I can remember, I always had a feeling like something was missing or something wasn't right. Yeah, that's the best way I can describe it. And um, I didn't feel, I didn't know, like, consciously that I felt that way. Because, um, like I said, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I just kind of thought that was normal um, until, you know, later when I got to Alcox Anonymous and people explained some things to me that I, I got that. But, you know, I didn't think, like, that I had... So that something was missing in my life. I just felt off. I felt bad. And, uh, yeah, I would say like the first 10, 11 years of my life, um, sucked. <laughs> in my perception. I, I just, I hated it. Um, yeah, I mean that. You know, I was a, I was a little kid and I would just get like so frustrated and angry and not know why. And, uh, you know, I'd sit in my room and I'd cry and I'd yell and freak out and I never knew why it was. You know, I just, 
didn't feel right. You know, I felt like, you know, life didn't treat me fairly, you know, or, you know, I didn't get the things I wanted or I was unlucky, you know. Um, I used to, uh, I used to accuse my parents that, uh, that they adopted me. And, uh, of course they didn't, they didn't believe me, but, um, well, obviously they didn't believe me, but um, I didn't believe them. That's the point I'm trying to make. They would always tell me that uh, I was not adopted, um, but I just I just didn't feel right. I didn't feel like I was in the right place. Yeah. Wait for everybody to stop laughing, stuff. <laughs> I just I, I always felt out of place, even in my own family. I didn't know why. Um, when I was eight, I moved to Delaware, and. Uh, you know, I I almost felt like I was I, I found a niche, like right before I left. Like I was finally starting to get comfortable. At least I guess I, I think. You know, I have really bad memory. Um just you know, you know what we do. But um you know, I get to I get to Delaware and uh, everything's different. I gotta you know, meet people again, I gotta make friends again, I gotta find my place again and um yeah, it was absolutely terrifying. Um you know, going to school the first day, like, feeling more like an outsider, because now I had a, a good excuse as to why I felt different. And uh, it was about another two years after that that uh, that I started to drink. And, um, you know, what I, what I found, I, I started drinking with my older brother and sister, because, of course, you know, at this time, I'm like 10, 11, they're uh, 15 and, and 17, and, uh, you know, they're running around with their friends, you know, getting, drinking, you know, using drugs and stuff. And, uh, and they were having a blast. And, uh, I, I would always try to, like, tag along with them. And so, like, eventually, uh, I guess they thought it was funny. So they, they got me drunk. And, um, and it was kind of like, you know, when, it, when someone has a fire and a house burns down. That's the best way I can describe it. It's like, for the rest of your life, you look at your life as everything that happened before that and everything that happened after. And that's how I look at my life with, with drinking. Like it was like my life before drinking, not so good. After drinking, awesome. Like that, that's really how I looked at it. Um, you know, I didn't understand why people didn't drink. Because I thought if, if you drank, you must like it as much as me. And I, I couldn't understand why you wouldn't want to drink all the time. Like that was really my mentality. I thought you either... Hadn't drank yet, didn't drink right, or you drank like like me, and you drank all the time as much as you could. Um, I really honestly believe that to the core of my being. And I remember my brother telling me that, that same thing that I just said to you one day. And, um, you know, I absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was because I, I got this relief from it. Yeah. And, and just to let you know, People drink and don't like it. I don't know if you guys are aware of that, but um, people, it's, it's true. People drink and don't like it because um, they're not alcoholic and they don't run around life feeling like they're empty. And so drinking doesn't seem like such an amazing thing to them. But for me, it's like I'm, I'm walking around feeling like I'm missing something and things aren't right and I drink and it's like the stars line up. You know? It's like everything is right in the world. You know, all the loose ends are suddenly tied up. Um, you know, the future looks good, you know. Like there's no problems, everything's cool, and um, I just I just loved it. Yeah. That's that's what I can get across to you. You know, maybe the the one thing that makes me alcoholic is that that effect I get from alcohol. You know, I got it from the very beginning. 
you know, this, this magic that if you're not alcoholic, you don't get it. You know, like people that aren't alcoholic wonder why we go to the lengths we do, why we do the things we do, you know, why we watch our lives burn to the ground and we're okay with that and we continue to drink. It's like, if you under, if, if you're not alcoholic, you don't understand. Like what would drive a person to do that? You know, and it's that amazing sense of relief that I got from drinking when I first started, you know, this, this magic. And it was, it was like my answer to life. Like it was like, you know, I I always had a problem. I didn't know what it was. And I finally found the answer to it. And I I was convinced I was going to do that as often as I could for as long as I could. You know, um, I never thought I would ever stop drinking ever. You know, from like probably the first couple of times, like I had it in my mind, like there was no life without drinking. Like it just would have been hollow. I didn't understand any point to it. Um, yeah, but like I said, um, you know, I always went into life trying to take and trying to see what I could get. And, um, you know, with this new bright outlook on life and this new courage, you know, I wasn't held back as much. I could try to start to pursue some of these things. And, um, you know, one of the things I did with school, um, I got straight A's one time in fourth grade, which was really cool. And then um, after that, it just kind of went downhill. But I always had this idea, like I was going to do really great in school, and I was going to be something important. Um, I didn't know what it was, but I just always had this feeling like I was supposed to do something big and important in life. And, uh, you know, I really had this this idea that I, I was going to do great in school. Yeah. And I uh, I didn't, just to let you guys know. Um, I, went into, uh, I went into middle school um, drinking. And, uh, you know, I would, I would wake up in the morning, you know, and I, I wouldn't want to get out of bed because I, I don't want to go up or go and, and face the day. Um, school was really uncomfortable. I did not like it. Um, you know, I'd get up a couple hours late. Somebody would drive me into school. I'd miss a couple classes. Um, I'd do everything I possibly could to not go to class, find any legitimate reason not to go. And, um, and again, I'm doing this even though I have this idea that I'm going to do really well in school, you know, that I want to, I want to succeed in life. But still, I, I try to miss everything I possibly can. They had this thing in, in Delaware called Excel. And it was like for the smarter kids. Um, I'm not that smart, just to let you guys know I'm not like a genius or anything. But, um, they would let you out of class to go into these other classes where you get to take different subjects and stuff, like Greek mythology and poetry and all this weird stuff. But you got out of class, and they didn't grade you for it, which was pretty cool. So I signed up for every single one of them. And um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would miss like three or four classes out of the day. And, um, you know, I would I would have all this work that I didn't do because I missed, you know. I would never go a day of school without missing at least one class. And I'd have all this work, and, uh, and I'd get home, and I'd have this idea that I was going to turn it around. I was going to do all this work. I was going to get all caught up, and things would be great. And I drink, and that was cool, and I really liked that, and that was m- like much better than sitting down and doing homework. And um, I always had this idea like I was gonna have one or two drinks, and then get to schoolwork, and that never happened. And I'd wake up the next day and do the same thing, and uh, and by the end of the year, I basically like I failed so many classes that I couldn't even take summer school. I missed like thirty some days. Um, I was, like, late so many times that they couldn't give me enough detentions to cover all the lates that I had. They just started, like, putting me out of class, which didn't seem to make a lot of sense if you miss class and 
and you're late to class that they take you out of class more. Um, I didn't get that. But um, I ended up retaking the seventh grade. And, uh, and I don't know about you guys, but I have this, this knack of, like, pulling things together at the last possible minute. And um, so I, like, scraped through the rest of middle school. I get out of eighth grade. Um, I think you needed, like, two Fs, a D, and a C in a class for four marking grades to pass. And I had that in, like, every class. So I just barely scraped by. And I think I might have failed one major subject, which was, like, the absolute limit. So I, like, just barely got through. And, again, I got this great idea. Like, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to take online courses. I'm going to double up on some classes. I'm going to graduate early, catch up with all my friends. And I made it to midterms in ninth grade. Because, um, again, like, I just I, I wanted to do good. You know, like, I was really driven. I don't know about you guys, but you know, it seems like alcoholics are driven by this idea that I need to achieve something. You know, I need to be great. And um, I had that. But despite that, I just didn't have it in me to get up and go to school and live a normal life. Like, I really didn't. Like, I just could not get out of bed anymore. I don't know what it was. Like, you know, drinking was the only thing that, that seemed to make me feel all right. I didn't feel okay when I went to school. You know, I didn't feel okay when I did anything, really. Um, and so, I, like I said, I made it to midterms. Um, yeah, I pretty much, like, failed all my classes, um, except German, which was weird. I got, like, seven Fs and an A in German class because I really thought, like, German was cool and I really wanted to learn German. Like, that's how I am. Like, if I like something, I'll be really good at it and I'll be obsessive with it and excessive. But if I don't like something, like, if there's something that the world wants me to do that I don't like, like, I'm totally undisciplined. I can't handle it, you know? And that's, that's a perfect example that I managed to get, fail every class except the one class I thought was cool because I wanted to learn German because I thought it would be cool to speak German. And um, so I, I, I dropped out. Um, it was a couple months before my, uh, my like, you had to be 15 and 10 months to drop out. I was, like, 15 and 7 months. Um, truancy never came after me. But um, I just kind of sat around home for a while and uh, hung out with my friends and, and drank. And then I, I started to have this problem where I ran out of money. And um, so I came up with this really cool idea um, that I could make money off of. And uh, and it was another one of those things where it was that need-to-achieve thing. Um, and I started selling drugs is what I did. And, um, you know, like I said, there, there was just something about, you know, like Scarface and, like, state property. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those movies. But, like, th I love those movies. And, uh, like, I was just so into it. And, like, there was just something really cool about having $500 in your pocket. You know, even if it wasn't yours and you owed it to somebody else. Like, it was just really cool to have that money in your pocket. Like, pull it out at Wawa to get, like, a coffee or something. You got, like, $500 in your pocket. Um, it's awesome when, like, people constantly call you, like, around the clock. Like your phone never stops ringing because people want to be around you and people want what you have. Um, I fed off that. Let me tell you something. Alcoholics and drug addicts, we're not good at selling drugs. I never made a dime just to let you guys know that. But um, but I, I fed off it. You know? I'll let you guys finish laughing. I fed off it. Like something deep down in here felt happy when I was doing that. I don't know what it was. It was just one more of those things that made me feel all right on the inside. Um, problem was I was like 15 and I weighed like 120 pounds. And um, people who are 15 and, and weigh 120 pounds and live in the suburbs probably shouldn't sell drugs. And um, I got robbed a lot. 
and I owed a lot of people money, and it was just a real ugly scene, and um, there's only so long that, like, I can hold something together. Um, you know, we have this, this natural talent to, like, build up something really cool and then tear it all down. I don't know about you guys, but I would do that. You know, I'd be, I'd be like, turning my grades around, and it'd all fall apart. You know, and I'd, I'd start making some money selling things, and I'd, it'd fall apart. You know, and I got this job, and I was doing really great and getting lots of hours, and then I'd piss people off, and it would fall apart. Um, after the whole drug dealing fiasco, um, I got a job, um, and then I proceeded to not show up one day. Um, I was, like, I, I started drinking the night before, and, um, you know, it didn't even really occur to me, like, maybe this is a bad idea. I got to go to work the next day. Um, until, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, I was about to pass out. And I realized, hey, maybe I should set my alarm because I got to be at work at 7 and I got to catch the bus at 6. And um, and I woke up at 2 p.m. Um, yeah. And and so I go into work the next day and not not that day, not at 2 p.m. I waited till the following day. I didn't even call. And um, and I showed up, and uh, and he told me he took me off the schedule for a week. He didn't even fire me. This guy was, like, really cool. And so I walked out and never came back and um, told everybody I got fired because that's what happens. The world's all against me, and I'm such a, such a victim, you know. That was, like, my mentality on life. Everything, some, every time something didn't go my way, it was like you were all out to get me or something. Um I got another job a couple months later, uh, working at a restaurant. And, uh, and I started trying to do the drug dealing thing again, which again did not work out. Shockingly enough, I know. Um, and, uh, and like I just, I tried one thing after another to make me feel alright on the inside. I tried having a lot of friends. I tried doing well in school. I tried being a drug dealer, which was a joke. Um, I tried getting a job and holding a job, and um, the problem with me is, like, I get a job, and it's, like, the coolest thing in the world for, like, four months, and then I absolutely can't stand it. <laughs> I can't stand getting up and going to work in the morning. Like, I just, I burn it out, so I, I can't I can't stand it anymore. Um, and so that wasn't working. Um, you know, I tried all kinds of things. Everything I could think of to make me feel all right on the inside, and uh, and just none of it worked, you yeah. Um, yeah, I was getting to a point where, like, I would drink and have, like, angry outbursts and, like, freak out on friends and, and family and stuff. Um, you know, my sister didn't really want to talk to me anymore. Um, most of my friends didn't like hanging out with me. Um, there were a few that's, that would still talk to me, but for the most part, people weren't answering my phone calls. Um, I was, like, 120 pounds, 5'10". Um, I looked like a crackhead. I never smoked crack in my life, just to let you guys know that, but I looked like I did. Um, people used to think I smoked crack. I'm, I'm dead serious. People used to say that. Um, I never did, though, but I looked it. Like, I just, like, you know, I was too busy to eat. We were talking about it on, a, on the car ride up. Like, I every once in a while, I'd have, like, a bowl of cereal or, like, a cheeseburger just to kind of, like, ease the stomach ache, you know? And, like, the rest of the time, I would just, like, drink or use drugs or do something to, to relieve the madness in my head. Um, you know, I want to say that I had this, like, big moment, you know, where, like, I realized I was an alcoholic and I needed help, but, um, that didn't happen. Um, what happened was, um, I can only go for so long before I run out of gas, and, uh, and I stopped being able to get money, and people stopped giving me money, 
and I couldn't make money off of selling drugs, and I just, I ran out of gas. You know, I ran out of things to use. I ran out of money to get things with. It just, like, I ended up spending a lot of time sober. Um, you know, like, it was really, really nasty and disastrous that last, like, two years that I was drinking. Um, I was, when I got sober, I was about 17. Um, but for the two years prior to that, um, yeah, I was starting to, like, question whether or not I was an alcoholic. I still didn't think I was an alcoholic, but I, I was questioning it. Um, my, uh, my dad drank my whole life growing up. Um, when he, when I was 15, he got sober and came to Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, and he told me all about it. He would drive me absolutely crazy with it. He would, uh, I would go over to his house and he would, like, sit me down in his room and talk AA to a 15-year-old alcoholic. And I would, like, I would just sit there quietly and, like, want to blow my brains out. Like, it was so miserable. I hated it. And he would tell me about all this stuff, and I'd, I'd try to convince him that I wasn't an alcoholic. And, and then, you know, it would be a very unproductive conversation, and eventually I would leave. Um, and, like, we would do this, like, once a week. Like, I'm serious. Like, every time I would see him, he'd just be like, Ryan, can you come in here? I want to talk to you. And just, like, talk AA. Like, uh, it was just horrible, horrible. Um, so, uh, I'm going to back up a little bit. Like, when I was 15, him and my mom got divorced, and I thought it would be a great idea to move in with him because he's the sober alcoholic, and I'm, like, on a downward spiral destroying my life. So I thought it would be great if I moved in with my dad. And um, I absolutely drove him crazy. Um, you know, he used to, uh, he would, like, go in my room and, like, have, like, flashbacks of him as a 15-year-old kid. It would, like, really severely creep him out. And uh, and he's, like, newly in recovery, like, trying to stay sober. Like, this is, like, a serious problem for him, and I'm, like, living with him. Like, if you guys have ever been to any meetings, like, six years ago in northern Delaware, like, some of those meetings were probably discussing me, you know, not by name, but I'm sure, like, I was being discussed in meetings by my dad. Matter of fact, he told me that, so I know that to be fact. Um, you know, it was just crazy. And uh, and so, like, I got this thing going on where I got all these ideas about AA in my head, about what an alcoholic is. Um, I still didn't quite make the connection. I didn't understand that, that empty feeling I had on the inside was alcoholism. I thought that the way I drank had something to do with alcoholism. Um, you know, the way I obsessed over it, the way I couldn't, I couldn't let it go, I couldn't leave it alone, um, you know, whether I was drinking or not. When I was drinking, if I had some, like, I could not, like, switch gears and move to something else. Like, I was, like, pretty focused on drinking. Uh, it was almost like a, like a physical craving. Like, I don't know if you guys, if you're, a lot of you are alcoholic, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you know what it's like. Like, you drink and it's like a hunger. It's like something you feel in your body. It's not something a non-alcoholic will understand. You know, like, most people, like, drink and get dizzy and sick and they don't want anymore. And, like, I drink and my body says, this is great, let's keep going. Like, it's, it's, it's something physically different about me. Um, and like I said, I cannot get my mind off it. Once I, once I'm not drinking, like, I just, that's all I think about. Like, I sit in my room and I'll pace, like, I'll, like, window peek. You guys ever do that? I'll walk to the back window and I'll look out and I'll walk to the front window and I'll look out and I'll do that for, like, half an hour. Just, like, walk back and forth in my kitchen, like, to the back of the house, to the front of the house and look out the windows. Um, 
Nobody was coming after me, just to let you guys know. I just, I didn't even know what I was looking for. Like, I wasn't, like, thinking, oh, my God, is somebody coming to get me? Like, I just was bored, and I would look out the window like crazy person. <laughs> it was nuts. And, like, I'd just go, and, like, me and my friends would just walk around the neighborhood aimlessly and try to find ways to drink. Um, like, it was just a mess, you know? Because, like, if I was not drinking, like, and I didn't have something else, that's all I thought about. You know, or it, like, it would creep up. Like, I'd, I'd wake up and I'd think I'd be all right. I don't know if you guys ever drank when you didn't want to. I'm sure, like, every single one of you did. But, um, you know, I'd get up and I'd be like, I'm not going to drink today. You know, just one day, just to show that I can make, I can do a day without drinking. And, um, you know, I'd start out all right. I'd get up. I'd eat some, I'd eat a bowl of cereal because that's usually what I ate, like, once a day. And, um, and I'd sit on the computer for, like, 20 minutes. Um, and like, it would feel like four hours and I would look at the clock and it's been like 20 minutes and I'd get on the phone and I'd call like 20 different people and then I'd window peek for 20 minutes and like an hour's gone by and it feels like a, like a lifetime. And, um, and like, I'm like, I can't sit still. I can't think straight. My head's racing. I'm so uncomfortable. And I know if I just drink, it'll all be okay. And that, that thought just sits there, and it's like a cancer. You know, it just, like, infects my whole mind to, like, all I can think about is drinking. And, like, the fact that I got up this morning and said I'm not going to drink doesn't matter. Um, you know, my parents begging me not to drink. Um, the fact that I have no money and my life's not going anywhere doesn't matter. Um, you know, whether or not i got to go to work doesn't matter. Like, just all I can think about is drinking, and I do. That's what I inevitably always did. Um sometime 15, 16, 17, somewhere in that age, like, I got to a point where, like, I just stopped trying. Like, I don't know if you've ever gotten to that point where you wake up and you say, like, I'm not going to drink today, and you say, no, never mind. I know I'm going to say that, but that's not what's going to happen. You know, like, you just know deep down inside that that's not happening. You know, like, no matter how bad I want it to. And that's what I mean by, like, drinking when you don't want to drink. You know, like, it's a, it's a sick, sick feeling. You know, when you don't want to do something, but you know you're going to do it anyway, and you just kind of consign to that fact, and you don't fight it anymore. Um, you know, it's like, you know, you talk about it in the big book a lot. They use a lot of analogies. Like, Bill talks about being surrounded by quicksand, you know, or like king alcohol, those those analogies. Where, like, it's just like, that's it. It's, it's me and drinking and what I do to get money to drink. And that's like my life revolves around that. Um, I'm not really going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people in here that, that lost a lot of stuff in their life. Um, you know, I, I, other than the one job, I never lost a job. Um, I never lost a house because I never had a house. Um, you know, I never really lost any relationships. Um, you know, I never had any, anything really to lose. Um, yeah, there's a guy, um, out in Baltimore that talks about has-beens. There's lots of has-beens in there, yeah. And then there's never was's. And that's me. Like, I just, like, did not launch. Like, there was just no life going on for me. I never achieved anything, you know. Like, I just never got anywhere in life. And I'm 17 and I'm working at this diner because I can drink on the job, um, which was cool. And I got a little bit of money that would last me a couple of days when I would get paid. And then I would, like, junkie it out for the next couple of days so I got another paycheck. Uh, and it was just like a, it was just a miserable, miserable existence. 
You know, like I'd wake up every day and hate my life, you know, and I'd want something different, but know that nothing's ever going to change. You know, it's just going to be like this forever. Like I really thought that. I had some small notion that maybe one day something really good would come along and I'd grow up and like move out of my house and have this nice life where I could drink peacefully to myself. But, um, you know, I just, for the most part, I had like, there was no more bright outlook on the future. Um, you know, I was still getting relief from drinking, but it just wasn't the same. Like, you know, anybody drinks, they'll get some kind of relief. Like, they'll feel a little bit better. You know I mean, you'll see it all the time that people aren't alcoholics that aren't feeling good or having a bad day, have a drink or two, and it's cool for them. Um, but the magic was gone. You know, like I drank and I'd still be scared. And I drank and the, the future didn't look bright anymore. You know, and I drank and I'd still feel alone and I'd still feel empty on the inside. Um, and uh, to make a long story short, um, you know, uh, uh, attempted suicide and an arrest led to a rehab. Um, and it was kind of like I was talking to somebody about this, like, uh, you know, a day or two ago. How like I didn't have this like long like dialogue with God, where like I, I realized I was an alcoholic and needed help. It was more kind of like God came along and was like. You know, I don't think you're ever going to get this, and I have stuff that I need you to do, so bam. And three weeks later, I'm sober. It just, like, happened out of nowhere, and I never drank again. Not because I wanted to, not because I had any intention to get sober. It was like it just came along, picked me up, and, like, took me to a whole different life. Yeah. Um, it was really, like, after that, like, suicide attempt, it was three weeks, and I ended up in, in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, which was the last place I ever wanted to go. Just to let you guys know, um, I didn't, yeah, it wasn't like I didn't like Alcoholics Anonymous. I thought you were all really cool. I went to one of your meetings before. You guys talked to me afterwards. I informed you I was like seven hours sober and you left me alone. Um, but like I thought, hey, it was really cool. I just didn't think it was for me. I didn't think I had the same problem as you. I didn't make the connection yet. And um, <clears throat> this guy that would be my sponsor um, later on was sponsoring a guy who knew my mom. It was one of those, like, somebody that knows somebody kind of deals and um, and heard about me and thought it would be a good idea. This guy was, like, a month sober. Um, thought it would be a good idea to come pick me up and take me to a meeting. So uh, this guy, friends with my mom, was, like, a month sober, and his sponsor that's, like, maybe a year and a half sober, um, come and pick me up and take me to what's now my home group, um, South College. And, uh, and I sat down in a room like this, and I listened to somebody talk for an hour, I don't remember a word they said, um, but I remember liking it. I thought it was cool. Again, because I didn't think badly of you guys. I just didn't think it was for me. And um, and I sat through the meeting and drank your coffee, and we did the prayer at the end. And and I don't know what it was, but I left that meeting, and I didn't drink that night. Um, and again, I don't know what it was. I got I talked to a ton of people, um, and I got a whole bunch of phone numbers and stuff. And the next day, I didn't go to a meeting that next day, um, I, it was the day before I had to start this outpatient rehab that my parents were making me go to. And uh, I went and hung out with my friends. I had no intention of drinking. And, uh, you know, one thing leads to another. You know, I'm crawling out of my skin and I'm drinking. It's like I didn't even know what happened. And it was like, you know, like they say the whole, like, pick up the phone if you're going to drink. Like, somebody called me, like, right before I was about to drink. Like, someone from AA I met the night before sent me a text message and said, just checking on you, seeing how you're doing. Give me a call if you need it. And, like, it's, like, right before I'm about to drink, and I do it anyway. It's, like, 
just like another one of those situations where you don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. Um, just kind of knowing, because like, yeah, I can fight it, but I'll lose in the end, so why bother? And that, and that was the last time I ever drank. And it was crazy, because I, again, I had no intention of staying sober. I didn't want to be here with you people. I didn't think you had an answer for me. And uh, I never drank again. It was like something came along, picked me up, and took me to this other life. Uh, it's like it came along and happened to me. And uh, <clears throat> I went to this, the next day I went to another meeting. It was the first day in this rehab. Um, I got out. I immediately went to a meeting. And I just started doing that. I, I'd go to this rehab like 30 hours a week. It was like basically school hours. I was still I was still underage. Um, so I'd go at like 9 in the morning and be there till 3 in the afternoon. And I'd go home for a couple hours and somebody would pick me up. And I'd go to like two meetings and I'd come home and do it again the next day. And uh, and after like three weeks, um, I finally got a sponsor. And like in that three weeks, like my whole attitude and perception about AA completely changed. Uh, I don't know what it was. Just like showing up and, and watching you people um, and listening to what you had to say and what you were like and what you were like, what you're like now. Um, you know, what AA has done for people, like the change that's gone on in people just from showing up here and doing some simple things. And, uh, and I'm, when I mean simple, or when I say simple, I mean that they write them in big letters on the wall and put them behind the speaker. It's like real easy to find. It's not too complicated. Um, you know, you just find somebody that, that's done it and, and ask for help and they'll be glad to. Or just stand in the back and look really uncomfortable and they'll just come up to you. Like it's, it's crazy. It's so easy. Um, you just follow along. You know, that's all I did was, like I, I said it a couple times, like I went through life always trying to take, always trying to get something, always trying to make something happen and like orchestrate things and control things. And um, yeah, I think the, the big difference was I showed up at AA and I just followed along. I just started like going with the stream of things. You know, people said, hey, we're going to Harry Hall, Maryland tonight. I said, all right, you know, and I hop in the car and I go. You know, hey, we're going to Westminster House tonight. That's where I'd go. Um, some guy calls me up, says, hey, I'm going to pick you up on Tuesday, and we're going to do this and this. All right, fine. Um, you know, they talk about the first step. And uh, like, I, like I said, I already had this idea that, like, I drank abnormally. That was clear. Um, you guys didn't need to tell me that, like, I'd have to be completely insane not to see that at that point. But um, I didn't really think like that what I had wrong with me was the same as what you had wrong with, with you. And, uh, you know, like I said, I got this sponsor because he said, hey, did you get a sponsor yet? I said, no, I'm probably going to do that pretty soon. And he said, well, I'll sponsor you. It's like, all right, call me tomorrow. So I did it. And I meet with him the next day, and he starts to tell me about his experience with the first step. And um, <clears throat> and he'd talk about that feeling of being empty on the inside and that feeling of being uncomfortable and uh, and not knowing what to do and feeling like you're falling apart when you're not drinking. Um, and he'd talk about, you know, he'd, he'd sit in his room and he'd pace back and forth and he'd get dressed like four different times and just not to know what to do. And that's how I felt when I didn't drink. Um, I didn't know that was alcoholism. Like, I really thought... You guys drank because you liked it, and then one day decided to stop. 
I really believe that. That's what I thought. Um, what I didn't realize was that you guys had this feeling of being different, this feeling of being uncomfortable and like something was missing, and you drank to treat that. And you came here because nothing else worked anymore, and the booze stopped working and found something else that treated that. I didn't know that. You know, and he explained all this to me. You know, that, that, that's been my problem my whole life, is that, that internal condition. You know, that's always followed me around everywhere I went, drove everything I did from as far back as I can remember. Um, that like, what makes me an alcoholic is that when you take the booze away, I start to fall apart. You know, and I need something else to replace that. Um, and like, I saw you guys doing, I saw you guys doing this. And I saw that you guys were getting something. Like, I saw the happy faces, I saw the laughter, I saw the smiles, you know, I saw the people with the shiny eyes, and I couldn't ignore it, you know. And, um, yeah, I just got this idea sometime in this first couple of weeks that if I just did whatever it was you people were doing, that was showing up at meetings and making coffee or doing whatever, that's what I was going to do. Um, and I started following directions. Um, we sat down that night, we talked about the first couple of steps. Um, he told me how to write a fourth step. We did a little prayer, and I started doing this. I had no idea what I was doing. I was really confused. Um, we were moving really quickly, and uh, and that worked. You know, I go home, and I write some stuff down. I wasn't entirely sure why I was writing it down. I had some kind of vague idea that I was looking for resentments and fear because they were, you know, making me feel like crap on the inside. They were giving me this internal condition, and one of the things. I guess that's what I thought, anyway. And, um, yeah, I wrote this big, long list, and, and he came and picked me up one day, and I, I'll never forget this. We're driving down Main Street in Newark, and he says, you, you bring your fourth step. And we pull over in a parking lot on the side of the road and go over this fourth step. And um, it was like things that had bothered me, like, that would constantly plague me every time I would think about them. Um, and then an hour later, it's gone. You know, like, all this anger, gone. You know, all this, this hatred I had towards people, just gone. And, um, and that day, like, I got a significantly different look on life. Um, I don't know how to explain it. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go write a fourth step and find a sponsor that works the steps out of the big book. Um, experience it for yourself because it's it's like that change in the way I look at the world it's never gone away I, I've never been able to go back to looking at the world the, the world the way I did before um, it's like a permanent change in how I see things um, you know how I see you and the things that you do and why you act the way you do um, it's just like everything made so much more sense to me after that and um, then it's like the more and more it started to make sense like the less and less I felt like crap on the inside. And, um, you know, we kept going. I, I, there was a couple more prayers, some amends, you know, some, some more writing, some more prayer, some more meditation, all that stuff. And, uh, and I wake up one day and I realize I didn't, like, want to drink. And not only did I not want to drink, but I didn't feel like crap on the inside. And I wasn't constantly thinking about drinking, which is a big deal. Because I could not drink. And I could not want to drink, but I couldn't ever get my mind off it for any period of time. Like, I couldn't make it <clears throat> more than two days without my head going so absolutely crazy I had to drink. 
I could never do that before I showed up here and started doing what you people were telling me to do. That was the first time ever that I got that. That I started to get that magic again. That sense of relief that I got, you know, when I was 10, 11 years old, hanging out with my brother and sister. That was the first time I ever got that without drinking. And um, and I was just the beginning of it, too. You know, this is, I'm three months sober, and I'm not thinking about drinking. You know, and I'm having a blast. You know, and people start noticing that I'm looking better, and I'm acting better, and I'm starting to smile a little bit. You know, and I'm, I'm starting to get a brighter outlook on things. And uh, and they tell me to start putting my hand out. You know? And uh, I tried doing that for a long time. And... Uh, <clears throat> I didn't stay very active with that for a while. Um, I sponsored a few guys, but for like the first two years I was sober, I didn't, I didn't really get anybody through the steps. Um, just a lot of, hey, how you doing? Here's my phone number. Or sit down with a guy, go through the first couple of steps, and I would never see him again. Um, there was a lot of that, but that was okay. You know, it taught me a really good lesson because like, I don't need to save people. I don't need to get people sober. Like, I just need to stop going into life looking at what I can take. You know, that's like the biggest thing that I, the, the biggest change that I've had when I sat down and I did that fifth step and I followed it up with the rest of the steps is like I started to see how that, that one idea of what can I get, what can I take, how can I feel better was absolutely killing me and rotting me out from the inside and destroying everything good in my life. Um, and the minute I stopped doing that, it seems crazy. It seems like if you go into life goal-oriented, concerned about what you can get, you get lots of stuff. You know what I mean? And things would go good. But it's just like, it's the complete opposite. It's crazy. Like, everything seems to fall apart. And then, like, the minute I go into life thinking about what I can give and trying not to be concerned with myself, um, everything just falls in place. You know, it's it's crazy. You know, I went from working at this little diner to a job fell on my lap, to another job fell on my lap, to another job fell on my lap. Um, you know, I moved out of my parents' house. I got my own apartment. Um, I got a car, which was cool, and it just died. That car lasted me like three years. I love that thing. Um, my friend killed it. Thanks, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I told him. Yeah, him and, and the girl that were driving it told me that they wanted to pay me back for it, but I uh, I told them I just wanted to be able to rip on them forever about it. That's that's how I want to get paid back. So I just had to do that from the podium in front of like 100 people. Sorry, Phil. <laughs> but like I learned to drive. Like I, I never took driver's ed in school. Like I'm 18 years old. I don't know how to drive a car. I don't have a license. Yeah, I learned how, I learned how to drive a car. Um, I never crashed it, which was pretty cool. Um, it stayed registered and insured the whole time, which was pretty cool. Um, I showed up for work on time, which was, again, really cool because I couldn't do that before. Um, yeah, my boss would, like, never know if I was going to show up that day. Um, I started showing up in people's lives. I wasn't able to do that before. Like, I was not reliable. I was not consistent with anything. Um... Because, like, I was busy on my life and death mission to make myself feel okay on the inside. Um, you know, and if you got in my way, sorry. You know, I wasn't even thinking. 
about you. It wasn't even like I was like, oh, this person wants me to do this, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do what I want. It's like I didn't even, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, and like now I'm, I'm full on the inside and I'm just looking at what I can give and not what I can take. And, and so I can start to show up and like act decent and like try to be a nice guy. And, uh, yeah, I started to, to mend all that stuff, all that damage I did to people. I got to mend all that. Um, people answer my phone calls. People call me, which is really cool. Um, that didn't happen very much before unless I had like something for sale. Um, it's true. I started uh, after the several jobs and you know trying to wasting time trying to put my life back together. Um, I got a lot more active. I started sponsoring a lot of people, um, which has been amazing. You know, if you're if you're in AA and you you aren't sponsoring people. You know, I don't like to tell people what to do, but, like, it's it's cool. Like, you're missing out. Like, it's a lot of fun. Like, I mean that. And I'm not saying that to, like, be, like, ballsy or anything, but, like, it's just, it's it's amazing. It's, like, the greatest part about AA is getting to come in and, and watch people come back to life. You know, watch people come in dead and broken, you know, and, like, with the, the black eyes, you know what I mean? Like, the, just, you see death in them, you know, and then watch them a couple months later, you know, come back to life. And they get to go back to their families and to their jobs and live their life again and get to be normal people. You, know? you see the lights come back on. It's, it's amazing. <clears throat> like, there's nothing more. You know, I get distracted a lot with my own life, which I'm, I'm sure none of you relate to that. Though. But, um, <laughs> but like nothing, nothing beats sitting down with new people. You know, like, and it's like, it, it just becomes a way of life. Like, it's just like I did it for so long. Like, I started doing it because it made me feel good. And then I, I was doing it because they were telling me to do it. You know, and after a while, like, it just becomes second nature. Like, I don't have to be told to go out and, and find people in AA that are suffering. I don't need to be told to do that anymore. It's just, it's become like my nature almost. It's like I'm a completely different person, which is crazy. Um... You know, I was extremely selfish my whole life. I was never concerned with other people. And um, I go to I go to meetings and I instinctively look around for like the most miserable looking person, and like like try to get in between them and the door. Like that's like what goes through my head, like without even thinking about it when I show up at an AA meeting. Um, you know, like it's it's great. You know, I absolutely love going to meetings. I love being around drunks, which is sounds kind of crazy. But um, I just, I love AA. I love the life I've been given. Um, you know, I used to think, like, you know, I get, you get this idea, like, I'm going to come here and I'm going to get this patched up old life. And I, I, I got, like, a whole brand new life. And I got to be a whole brand new person. Um, I got to have amazing experiences. And, like, it's crazy when I think back about, like, how close I was to missing this. Like, just, like. The circumstances that led up to me standing in front of you today was like, it was just so close to missing it and not even being here today. That, it's crazy. You know, like it, it's really a blessing that I even get to be here. Um, that I'm even alive. Because you know? like, I, I try to think about where I would be if I hadn't gotten sober. Like where I would be. Because like, my life was going nowhere. And like, I was just lucky like my parents couldn't kick me out because I was still underage. Like, I don't know where I'd be at now. You know, 21, almost almost 22. Um, 
if I was still living the way I was living before. Um, now I got a pretty comfortable life. You know, I got a, you know, a lot of friends. I got a lot of blessings in my life. I'm in a great relationship. I got a nice job. I'm in school. Um, I'm actually going to school to be a math teacher, which is crazy. Because that's like the last thing I ever thought I would do was be a teacher because they were the enemy. Um, I think like the only other like the only thing that could compare to the unexpectedness of that is if I like became a cop. I think that would like that would be more surprising. But other than that, like I think a teacher is like tops it. Um, but like I, I I almost had to miss a day of school a couple like the end of the last semester and um, and I realized like a couple weeks before that I was gonna have to miss this day and. Uh, and it dawned on me that was the first time I was ever going to miss a class while I had been going to this this school, this college, um, which is crazy. Like, I made it, like, almost to my third semester before I missed a day of class. Like, and I didn't even realize that that I was doing that. Um, you know, my, my grade, my grade point average is above 0.5, which is really cool because I, I dropped out with a 0.4, which was pretty low. Um, yeah, I got, like, I'm actually like doing well because like I can get up and I can go live a normal life today. That's what AA gave me, you know, this ability to go live a normal life and to have all these blessings and uh, and not be spoiled by them, you know, and not be afraid to lose stuff, you know, and not be afraid to fail. You know what I mean? Because it's it's all gonna it's gonna be okay. You know what I mean? Like whether I you know if I fail out of school tomorrow, I mean sure I'll be pissed off and disappointed, but I'll get over it. I'll be fine. Like I have that, that mentality that like it's gonna be all right. You know, like whatever happens, it's gonna be okay in the end. Um, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm I'm done saying what I have to say. <laughs> I'm starting to think about what. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.